I always wanted to be a part of playing basketball, and I tried it all four years, never made it. Stayed involved with the basketball program. Ended up coaching college basketball, winning a national championship. This kid who couldn't even make the high school basketball team had a pretty good basketball career. You are capable of more. You are capable of achieving ambitious results professionally and leading a fulfilling personal life. We are here to guide you through the process of aligning potential, optimizing performance, and ascending to success on Aligned Life Pro. All right, welcome back to Aligned Life Pro. This is part two of our vision conversation, and hopefully, uh, Michael, people didn't just drop off when they heard the word vision, but I think we compelled people enough last time of why they need to stick with it and listen to our vision uh, or help construct that vision, even though it's uncomfortable and all these other things that kind of pop up. And so I am joined, as always, by best-selling author Michael Lennington and the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert. All right, Michael, conceptually, vision is extremely important to the uh, short cycle execution process. You know, that's it's pretty much where you start. Um, yeah, it's, it's the starting point. Talk to us of why vision comes first uh, when we're talking about putting together our plan for the next four to 12 weeks. That's a great question. And I, I'm gonna try to be as succinct as I can because you can go on about vision for a while. But I think one of the benefits of vision is it gives you direction. So that's why it's important to start with vision, because if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. You know, that's an old bromide, but it's true. So you've got to figure out where you're going. And, and that lets you make better decisions in life. So it tells you what to say yes to and no to. So that's why we start with vision. It gives you direction. But it's more than that. It's also the place where we create passion to do the things that we need to do. Right. So one of the things that we love as human beings is comfort. We'd like to be comfortable and that's okay. I can understand why people would rather be comfortable than uncomfortable, but that desire for comfort can supersede your purpose and meaning in your life because you, you can maximize your comfort, but you're not going to maximize, you know, your life that way. So you want a vision to create passion that you have an emotional connection to so that you are willing to do the work it takes to get there. Cause it is work. It's work. Yeah, it's going to be work. There's going to be work, but, but the, uh, there's a secret with vision that can make you reframe work that, that kind of makes work not so much work anymore. And, and I'll, we'll kind of talk about that later. But that's, that's the power of vision. If you have a strong enough vision, it can make the work seem less like work because you've tied it to what's important. So I'm going to give you a, a quick primer on vision. I, I'll be as quick as I can be, but, but you asked me time to set the philosophical or the, or the process underpinnings, and so I'm going to do that. So with, with short cycle execution, what we want to do with vision is we want, to, we want to create some emotional connection to it. So the way that we do that is we have some exercises. And what I'd say is that we have different kinds of exercises because people think differently. You may not use any of these, but if you're looking for some tools to get a vision, they're helpful. One is called Have Doobie, and it's out there in the marketplace. You can find. You want me to have a doobie? I want you to have a doobie. It creates great visions, um, and and you don't even have to work at it. You get them automatically. No, I'm kidding. It's not Have a Doobie. I'm the boomer. I'm, that's my joke. I should be making the Have a Doobie. <laughs> so the whole concept though of, of Have Doobie is that you're thinking about and and you're not looking at restrictions. You're, you're going through all the things that you want to have in life in the time that's left to you on Earth. All the things that you want to have in your life, and then you move from the have to the do. And you think through all the things that I want to do in my life and the time that I have left on earth, all the experiences I want to have, all the things that I want to do. And then the last thing that we get to is, is 
the B column, which is the, the list of all the things that you want to be in life, who you want to be. And so we start with the have because it's superficial and we can kind of think of those things easier. And then we shift from that to the, to the do's, which is the, our behaviors, right? So the, so the haves are the results. The do's are the actions. And so we want to define what are the actions or the things that we want to do. And then we get to the, the deeper, the meatier piece of that, which is who do I want to be? Right. Because ultimately that's, that's the, that's the why stuff we were talking about in the first episode around vision. And, and it's the things that, that really give us meaning and purpose and passion in life. So, so the have to be exercise, just sit down with yourself with a glass of whatever, water, wine, whatever, and, and just lay out all the things that you want to do. You, so you start, I'm sorry, all the things that you want to have, you start with a have count. Kristen, so you do that with your uh, coaching class? You do the have to be? I do that with my coaching clients. We also do some mind mapping. You know, I'll put a mind map on the screen because almost all the time when we do the have to be, they come back, you know, they'll have a week between sessions to work on this and they'll come back. I'll get there their exercise, maybe five minutes before our scheduled call. And I open up the document and there may be three or four things under have, there'll be one or two things under do and B is really, really scarce in terms of ideas that's under that. Um, uh, you almost have to take it. You almost have to, cause I've done it with groups before too. And I think you almost have to have them do it right then and there and almost give them the, the constraints to do it then. And then almost, I, I feel like if you t turn that exercise into like a 15 minute exercise and give them five minutes per column or whatever it might be. Um, I don't know, Michael, what you all have done in your all's live sessions in the past and then let it sit there for the week. And then it'll, that list will kind of evolve. They'll go back to it. Right. So some people don't gravitate to this have to be though. Sometimes it's, it's, they can't, you know, they get a list of two or three things. So it's important just to let it, like you were saying, like percolate, let it add to it. Yeah. You know, get a, the longer list you can get. And some stuff you're going to write down is impossible. It's going to be things that you really can't do, but just something you want to do. Like I, I might want to play in the NBA. Obviously you can't, I can't do that, but, but there's things I could do that are closer to that than I'm where I am right now. So, you know, you don't, if, even if it's impossible, write it down because there's generally things that are kind of related to it that you can do. And, and that's the key is the way you win have to be is you get a long list of stuff and then you let it percolate. Like you're saying, like, keep it, keep it and go back to it. Well, and a data point to have to be that I have started to put together over the years is, is I'm seeing this pattern that comes out of have to be, if you have things that are showing up, you know, um, common themes that show up across all three columns of have, do, and be, that's going to be where your passion is really lying. Things that are only showing up in one column tend to just generally be kind of an interest. You're not going to be committed to the action that it's going to take to get you there. You see things that are showing up in two areas and it's something that's powerful for you and you're going to have the option, you know, is, is this something I really want to take action on or is this something that's just also that I'm interested in? But those things that are showing up across all three sections are, are where your passion's going to be. That's going to be what's going to be the, the foundation of your vision. So that's, and that's an interesting point because as a coach, I think it shows you, hey, this is where I need to dig a little deeper. Like they might be closer to their vision than they think they are, but they basically had, you know, these common themes that are showing up and I know, hey, this is, I can dig. And then you also made the uh, uh, reference to interest versus commitment, which of course was a previous episode that you should go check out if you didn't hear it the first time around as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I would I would think that that would be a powerful tool as a coach to just say, okay, 
uh, now I know kind of what buttons to push and where we need to kind of direct this conversation. Why is this thing, you know, just start asking those questions. Why are these things popping up in these columns? Yep. And I think the have to be is not the vision. It's important to remember that. No, it's not. List of things that might be in your vision and it should be a lot of fun. I mean, so, so the have to be is like a fun exercise. You're, you're not committing to anything right now. You're just interested in this. What else from the coaching standpoint then, Kristen, is kind of like when you're kind of doing the structure, the, we're not to the vision part yet, but when we're structuring, you, you mentioned the mind mapping exercise. Yeah. So people that struggle with writing things in those three columns, you know, they, they, they really struggle to expand their ideas or, or lean into something that they think is probably impossible. And that's, we want them to get to that. So what I've been working on probably for about the last year now with clients um, is taking what they've written down initially and then we start plugging that into a mind map. So if, if you don't know what a mind map is, it's basically just an idea on a, you take a whiteboard or a sheet of paper or there's software that you can use on your computer, but you take a central idea and you put it in a circle in the middle of a page and you begin to branch off ideas from that. So we'll do some of their have to be's on paper and they're color coded. And so then it gives me a tool for them to visually connect to that as, as they're putting those things on paper, I can begin to ask questions around some of those things. So you say you want to have a great relationship with your family. What does that mean as a father, as a mother, as a brother, as a sister? What does that mean? And then we begin to expand off those bubbles around that. And then they start seeing all these bubbles start to cascade out from that original idea. And they the, the ideas start flowing more. So, you know, we come back to that have to be and the column has just grown exponentially. And then from there, we go back to where are the things that are showing up across all three sections? What really excites you? Now, let's write a story about those things and put it in a way that it really resonates with you. And you, you're already acting in your mind as if you've already been living in that vision. Kristen, so, just real quickly, the two things we talked about that have to be in the mind mapping are mind mapping is kind of a brainstorming exercise. And, um, you know, everybody thinks differently. So mm -hmm. if one process or system doesn't work for you, try others. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. When we do a live training, Brian and I, we have three things that we do. One is the um, have do be exercise. We just kind of ran that in the ground. Um, we also do a visualization. So for people, so the have to be is kind of like from where you are right now, looking out into the future, all the things that you might want to have. And so is the mind mapping. The other exercise we do is a visualization and, and it's the other perspective. So we have people imagine that, that at the end of their lifetime, they're 90 years old and they're sitting on the porch of a, of a cottage on a lake and they're kind of thinking back on their life. And then we kind of walk them through this, this kind of scenario of the different aspects of their life and ask them to, to think about, you know, what the impact they had for their children, the, where they worked, the community and all that stuff. What was the lasting wake that their life left on that lake that they're sitting in front of? Anyway, that point of, of going and looking back is sometimes people have an easier time doing that kind of the, the visualization of my life after I've lived it and it's been a good life. What, what would have happened to have made that life good for me? That's another that's second strategy. The third strategy that we often do is we have them have a different perspective of time, which is to do be in the moment right now, not look to the future, not look to the past, but do an assessment of what is today. And then looking at the different aspects of their life and kind of deciding where are they showing up right now and what's working for them that they want more of and what, what parts of that are, are things that they're not satisfied with. Kind of the thing you were talking about in the last episode, Mike, about what don't I want to do, right? So so three three ways of doing it. It's it's the have to be, which is visioning from, from now to the future. It's the visualization, which is imagining yourself at the end looking back. And then the third way is to kind of assess what is now. So it's kind of three different temporal approaches to vision. That assessment piece is very uncomfortable for a lot of people. 
And then, Kristen, I was also wondering, too, when you get that mind map and you start to get those bubbles popping up, does that ever become overwhelming for the people that you're dealing with, that they, there's so many things that pop up? I would like to think probably yes, but in my experience with whom I've worked with and people that I've worked with, no, it hasn't. I think it, it gets them really, really exciting, and they can begin to kind of craft linear steps then to what it is they want. So let's talk about what that means. So Michael, we've got these these exercises that we've kind of discussed, four different exercises that we've discussed to kind of help you get all these concepts and ideas. And now we want to put it together and we want to tell this ideal aspirational vision story. This is really the next step, I guess, in kind of constructing this visual vision, correct? Uh, yeah, that you can yeah. really kind of see yourself in this position. So when we talk about the aspir aspirational vision, you know, we're not talking about, it doesn't necessarily have to say 10 years from now, it can be whenever right? Just talk about how that comes about. Okay. I'm, I have a vision about being really quick at this, so I'm, I'm not going to go too long, but the first aspirational piece you were talking about, that's, that's not time bound. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a specific time in the future. It could be just a few years away. It could be 15, 20 or more. Also depends on how old you are. But the aspirational vision is unbound by time because it gives us a, a, an ability to disconnect how we might make it happen to, to the, what we want to create, right? So, and, and, and the why behind it. So the aspirational vision is not connected to time. And it's a vision that will will cause you to have to stretch you know if you if you have a good aspirational vision it should make you a little nervous Kristen mentioned the prefrontal cortex in a previous episode you know our, our prefrontal cortex gets excited about the vision we have another part of our brain that reacts when we we craft something that we don't know how we're going to create and it's in the amygdala and that part of our brain will react to uncertainty and it causes fear and anxiety and so when we experience that we tend to back away from our vision so if you're not afraid of your vision it probably could be pushed back and made a little bit a little bit bigger so that's just a guidepost for you anyway so the aspirational vision is the thing that that represents a life well lived but that's still not connected right so we, we do then with our clients is we move them from that aspiration to a three-year vision so having very specific three-year vision three years from today in order for me to make progress towards that aspirational vision what does my business look like what is what is my personal life look like you know what am i doing what is and be, be as specific as you can be because it's going to help to help you build a good plan later so that, that three-year vision then a one-year vision, then a 12-week vision, which turns into a goal. That's how we connect what you do today with what's important to you in life 20 years from now. So, so to kind of put this in context, sometimes you'll have things in your life that may may help those timelines that you're, you're bumping up against. So like with me, with the horses, I could look three years out because I knew that from the time I bred 11-month gestation, having a baby, having it run as a, you know, start training and running as a two-year-old, I knew exactly what I needed to do in that three-year horizon to get to that point. And so if you're paying attention to aspects of your vision and what's going on in your life, you can point to those physical things to help you. Well, Kristen, Bill Gates once said that most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. But that mm -hmm. three-year vision, is is that three-year vision, I guess, kind of where reality sets in? Like that's if they overestimate what they can do in one year and they underestimate what they can do in 10 years, is that three-year spot kind of like, hey, this is the sweet spot. Like you can really kind of figure out what you can really get done in three years? I think so. Yeah. Would you agree, Michael? No, absolutely. I think that three-year vision, because there's a little bit of the why, and I'm sorry, a little bit of the how that comes in. So it really helps you to take that translational or to translate the aspiration to the daily actions. Three years is perfect. Love it. Okay. So you got these, uh, this aspirational vision, which again is not time bound. It's not bound by how, how much it's just like, you can kind of see yourself. Uh, if you're Michael sitting on a beach in Spain, you know, whatever it might be traveling Europe by train, 
then you can boil that down to like what's going to happen in the next three years and that could be hey i need to whatever those goals might be there they become a little bit more specific in nature and then we can boil those down into very specific plans of what we need to do and whatever short cycle we choose i mean i know that the 12-week year was the 12-week year for a reason but the reality of the, the current situation we are in, we know that no one uh, with the COVID coronavirus can really uh, fully anticipate what 12 weeks from now even looks like. And sometimes that has to be four weeks. It's what like, again, so we're kind of looking at that more from a short cycle, whatever that short cycle might be. And I, I guess really short cycle is anything that's longer than a week. Yeah, I think that's a great, a week is a great execution cycle. It's got some structure to it. It's cool. Yeah, because you can always kind of go through a weekly plan and figure out how you're going to make progress towards those things. So Kristen, you go through this with your, all your clients. What gets in the way? What derails them? If they know that they've gone through this, these these processes, and I, I kind of know you well enough to know that you don't give them a pass on the vision piece. I do not. Um, it is, and, and I will ask the question in every coaching conversation, have you connected with your vision today? Have you connected with it this week? You know, even in the, the span of, of seven days, people will walk away from connecting with that on a daily basis. And so you have to keep keep remembering that. But what gets in the way for that is the day to day. It's the mundane. It's the in my world, it was the piles of crap. I mean, how often do you not the actual piles of crap because you like the piles of crap that you were shoveling with the horses. But the, the I did. But yeah. That is not something that's going to resonate with a lot of people. And so, you know, our, our crap in any given day is the action we have to take to make it happen. And back to the whole point of being comfortable, you know, it's easy to go back to what you know, what's comfortable, even if you don't like what the outcomes are, than it is to continue to do those harder actions day to day that's going to represent progress towards that vision. And so it's coming back full circle to is this vision really compelling to you? Is this really what you want? Then you will take the action to do it. And the number one thing I think on the action piece for that is, and Michael alluded to this earlier, is really kind of trying to figure out how to control your time and understanding, hey, you know, we all do our time probably kind of backwards. We don't schedule in these things that are just when it's just us that we've got to execute on something that's going to get us closer to that vision. We kind of look at where the gaps in our calendar are and see where we can kind of put those in. And that can't happen. I mean, you have to say, these are the, the tactics that I've got to get done this week to move me forward. I need to schedule these tactics in my calendar. They need to be held as appointments at the highest priority. And then I can basically schedule everything else out. You know, like doctor's appointments. Michael said he's had two days a week that he doesn't schedule anything. Wednesday's now a book day and then he had another day. If you had one day or one afternoon set aside every week that you were doing that, hey, if I need to schedule a doctor's appointment, that's when I was going to do it. It's like, I'm available on Wednesday afternoons for a doctor's appointment, you know, and then they can figure out how to make that happen. I think that's where we, we allow too many variables to kind of creep in and not steer our direction. And what ends up happening is you get caught up in those busy, low value activities and you get to the end of your day and you're looking back at the things that are important, that's going to drive progress towards that next level in your business or that longer term vision and you've quote unquote run out of time you don't have time at the end of the day to or do energy things yeah or energy and i think that's an important piece too is understanding how your energy flows throughout the day and like when your energy is at its best to get stuff done that need to get done so you know like i for me and i think most people are this way i don't know but like i have a whole lot more energy in the morning than i do in the afternoon you know so those important things that need to get done, I don't need to be checking email in the morning to figure out what no. fires I need to put out the rest of the day. I need to get the stuff that I'm excited about doing because I've got the highest energy to knock that stuff out. 
and then I can go check those emails and solve those problems and have a little bit more of a free-spirited afternoon. I, the concept for me of having a very productive, proactive morning and having a very free-spirited, reactive firefighter, let my firefighter dance a little bit afternoon is something that really appeals to me. With you, when you think about how you guys are talking right now, there's some really great nuggets of, of um, ideas of how to how to approach. Everybody's different, but but there's ways to make it work for you. And that's where I think you have to be aware. I think the cool thing about vision for me is it helps me say yes and no better. I can say yes to some things in my life and I can say no to other things because they don't line up with what's important to me. If I don't have a vision and a purpose behind my life, I'll say yes to anything. And that's what sucks up my time. I end up doing things and making commitments that I don't really connect to anything that's important to me. And so if I live my life without direction and just kind of live the day, which is, I, I, I'm kind of double-minded about that. You got to be open to the day, but if you have no purpose, you, what are you open to is the question. Yeah. You just drift. And that's exactly right. I mean, when you're clear about these things and where you want to go and what you're, what's important to you and all that other kind of stuff, your decisions become easy. Those no's become easy because it can be quite as easy as, you know, is this helping me get to where I need to get to or not helping me where I need to get to? Not saying that you should, you know, not help someone in need if they need it or whatever else. you got to judge every situation. But we typically uh, will say yes to way too many things and not understand that every yes that we say has a consequential no to something else because our time and our energy is limited. So have the courage to share your vision with people, put it out there. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's scary to tell somebody what it is you want to do. People are going to laugh at you. It's going to make them uncomfortable. There are people who are stuck and they want you to stay stuck with them. There's a reason why we say misery loves company. You get a group of people together that are, are complaining about stuff and everybody will chime in and start complaining. Oh yeah. You get somebody that's had a huge success. You don't get a lot of dialogue in that room around that. You know, why, why is that? So we don't share our visions because it's scary. We think people will laugh at us. They will judge us. They will think that it's unrealistic. Why do you want to do that? I know the first time I shared my horse vision with anybody in my family, there were crickets in the room for like five seconds. And then it was like, do you know how expensive that is? Why would you spend your money like that? And I just got judgment after judgment, after judgment, after judgment. No, but to be and fair, that wasn't me though. No, that was my, my immediate family before that was, that was before you, but I didn't let it stop me. If anything, I think it kind of propelled me a little bit because I'm one of these people that, you know, don't tell me I can't do something because watch me hold my beer and stand back because I'm going to show you what I can do. So maybe at one level, that courage was kind of, um, you know, that judgment was kind of courage for me to take the next step because I, I put it out there now. So I'm not going to validate your idea of who I am. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. So that's important, Kristen. So people can have the opinions that they have. And, you know, the old saying about opinions, everybody's got one. Uh -huh. And the other thing about that is, though, is your opinion yeah. to me is none of my business. And right. so you can react however you want to react to how people react to you. You, It's up to you. You don't have to react. One, you don't have to believe what they say about your limitations. There was actually somebody at that point in time that um, when I started doing this and, and I was talking about what I was going to do, they said, you'll end up just tucking your tail between your legs and running back home. I wasn't gonna let that happen. The uh, I, and for me on that side, that came true in my basketball story. So like I, I always wanted to, to be a part of you know playing basketball, and that was really important. And uh, I went to a fairly large all boys high school. Hundred kids tried out for the freshman basketball team. I did not make it. I probably was the closest to making it my sophomore year. 
I tried out all four wow. years, never made it. Stayed involved with the basketball program. Went to college on on a scholarship for uh, athletic training, so I could still be around the basketball program and, and be involved. Met really great basketball coaches wow. along the way. Became a high school basketball coach immediately outside of college. The coaching side, and of course, this is really important because obviously the drive of of how important it is for me to be in that coaching world is something that I really had to develop and dig into, and had to go through all this experience of every single time a door shut that I could just go find another route to stay involved. And, and I was really identifying to me how important that coach role was for me. So I, I coached high school basketball for a long time and ended up coaching college basketball, winning a national championship as a college basketball coach. And then I go into uh, working with this high school all-star game and I re I've recruited 25 NBA first round draft picks or 25 kids who would eventually be, go on to become NBA first round draft picks and uh, and all these you know this kid who couldn't even make the high school basketball team had a pretty good basketball career. And you know, Mike, that is so powerful because you your initial vision, you did everything you could do to make it happen. It didn't happen, right? The playing on your high school basketball team, which was which was an effort you put the you put the work towards that, but. But because you had this passion, your life kind of flowed in that direction. And you had huge success, probably beyond anybody else on your high school team around basketball, because your vision was so powerful. It let, it let you adapt to what, what the opportunities were. I, I'm, that's a beautiful story. Ironically enough, there was, there was me and another guy who never made the high school basketball team. And now the other guy had a weird situation pop up, and he actually ended up playing college basketball. And even though he didn't play high school basketball, he was – he was a 2000 point scorer at his at his Ooh. at his college and went on to be another he also went on to coach college basketball still coaching college basketball today um, and also won a national championship so the two guys that won a college national championship as coaches were the two guys that never made the basketball team as a, in high school and so yeah it's it's just amazing and I, don't get me wrong he he was probably good enough to actually make the basketball team i i i was not and the other part about that like all the cool stuff that i got to do in basketball was awesome but for me to just really be able to understand the ability of of and how important coaching is to me was worth all of it even if i did never won a national championship never had the influence of all these uh, nba first round draft picks and it was it was that hey I figured out how important it is for me to do this aspect of my life. I, I, it would help me define my purpose, right? So, like, when I think about how important vision is, and it's for me it's the top, uh, top third of the alignment model, you know, it starts with this assessment of understanding really who you are and what's important to you and the gifts and the resources that you have available to you. And, and you're putting all this stuff into a blender and you're coming out with your, your vision. like, And I truly believe that that's why a lot of people don't have really compelling visions is because they do not want to take the time and the uncomfort level to figure out what it is that they really want and what's really important to them and who they really are and not who someone else thinks they should be or what uh, someone else thinks is important and come up and construct this vision of, of what their life really the meaning behind what their life and what they want it to be. And I love the, I love the old man, like the, almost like the person writing their eulogy and thinking about things in reverse. You know, how did you live that dash? Because yeah. it goes pretty quick. Mike, you said something that I think is so profound. How many of those kids that were crying out for the high school basketball team, the first, you know, the, the freshman team did not get in and then never, never tried again. Probably a lot. 
So, so being told no is not being told no, your vision is not going to work. In fact, it make, you talked about how your vision changes you and makes you an ability to overcome obstacles, to stick with things, to take ownership and, and push through the, the, the things that get in the way is it changes you. It makes you stronger. And, and ultimately it, it allows you to accomplish what you're capable of. When you give up, when you're looking for evidence in the world to tell you your vision is, is bad, there's not good, not a good vision. Then, then you're going to take that evidence immediately and stop. So don't look to the world to tell you what you're capable of. It's, it's really what you decide you're capable of and how, how you want to work towards it. Oh, you were talking about, you know, kind of writing your own bit. And it's funny that you said that. Cause I kind of, I had written, I take notes when we, we chat and, um, I had written down, you know, write your own obituary, start with the end in mind. You know, what, what do you want the world to say about you when you're gone? What kind of legacy do you want to have? And it doesn't have to be this grandiose legacy that, you know, you're, you're somebody famous and, and rich and all of this. It could be just, you know, that your kids talk about how great of a father you were, or, you know, some random stranger walks up and says to your kids, your parents left this this immense mark on me. You, you know, you don't know me, but this is what they did for me. So start with the end in mind, and then then take the steps. That's your why, and then take the steps to get there. It's actually when I do the have to be exercise. It's one of those has. I always put that I want to have a crowded funeral, and I always put that down there. Just you know that because it's important for me to impact other people. That's kind of the did. If you impact other people, you're gonna have this. You're gonna have a crowded funeral. Or even better, if my kids go on to impact a whole lot of people, my funeral is going to be crowded too because they're going to respect them enough. So that's all that stuff is right there, just really important. So let, let's put a bow on the vision. We I thought we had some really good stuff, some really good concepts. Uh, and hopefully after you listen to us, uh, you feel a little bit better about taking the time necessary to really explore the vision. And, and it requires you to go deeper. It requires you to ask a question, have some self-discovery, and ask the next question about that self-discovering. Just keep on digging and digging and digging until you get to the good stuff. I'd like to challenge our listeners. If you're not willing to work on vision, if you think it's just this feel-good exercise, really dig into that and ask yourself, why am I afraid to confront what my future could possibly be? I totally agree. That's awesome. Because I, I'm, I'm with Michael on this. I don't think you can really truly... You could probably be successful on paper, but at the end of the day, even if you're successful on paper and you've and you've done it without a vision, you're probably going to be pretty um, empty when it when you get to the end of that road or the, uh, you know, why did I do all this? Why did I sacrifice so much to accumulate so much? And what was it all for? Uh, if you don't have that vision exercise, Michael, any parting thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think I think don't worry about you know the structure of your vision. Do I have enough in it? Just if it motivates you. It could be it could be a simple clarifying purpose in your life that you just organize your life around. And so don't don't try to get the mechanics right and worry about mechanics not being right. It's really what motivates you and causes you to behave in alignment with it. There's going to be times when your vision crashes into your day to day reality. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then you've got to make sure that that vision is strong enough that's going to pull you through. Yep. All any obstacle you have, just keep working at it, keep chipping away at it. It's going to ebb and flow. Sometimes it's going to be stronger than others. And you just got to keep uh, keep at it. It is a it is a living, breathing organism that is going to continually to evolve over time. So yeah, and I think if we don't end this conversation now. People can have a vision of getting off the podcast. So I think it's a perfect. <laughs> I thing. think you're right. All right. Well, that will be it for this edition of the Line Life Pro. And uh, please interact with us on social media. We're at Align Life Pro at all major Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, not a YouTube yet, but we're working on that. 
And of course, you can always interact with us on our website, alignlifepro.com. We'll see you next time. This has been Align Life Pro.